Well, good morning and welcome to Thrive Church. We're excited that everybody's here right here. We're excited that you're watching us online. We're honored that you'd be worshiping with us. Our motto is don't just survive, thrive. And the way we do it summed up into three words, grow, develop, succeed. We're growing a kingdom. We're developing our character. And we succeed by doing the call of God on our lives, both in our local church and in our community. Amen? And that's what we're about. Pastor, how can you say that every Sunday? I say it every Sunday because that is this church. That's who we are. And what we need to do is we need to make sure that it's written in our, on our hearts, what we're about. So that way, you, you know, we're going in that direction. You know the direction you're supposed to be going in. And if somebody asks you, what's the direction of the church you go to? You could tell them. How many people <clears throat> go to church and say, well, I really don't know what the direction of the church is? They don't make it clear. Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's most churches. Most churches, you go in, you, you, you might have a good time. You might not. It just really depends, you know how the greeters are and different things, bad hair day, whatever. Most churches are generally the same, but the, th but the difference is, is most churches don't really have a vision. They have a program. And a program and a vision are two different things. A program, just it's mechanical. It just, it's, but a vision, a vision, all of a sudden your heart starts pumping. Blood starts starts flowing through your veins, and, and, and you get excited. You know, you, you can see it. You, it's it's kind of like when I think about steak. I love steak. And I have a vision, and I can see it. And when I see it, all my heart starts pumping. My mouth right now, it's starting to water. You know? I mean, that's kind of like vision, what we're supposed to have in Christ Jesus. And a couple weeks ago, we started this about reigniting our dreams. And that's what we need to do, is all of us have had dreams and passions and desires. And, and I'll tell you what, one day you woke up, you were a little bit older, and life has just come and, and passed by, and you're like, what happened? And so you ended up giving up on your dreams, your visions, your passions, and stuff like that, because you ended up being 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever. But you know, God's calls without repentance. I mean, if you dare to reignite that passion again, God will open it up to you, and he will fulfill the desires of your heart. So we need to start dreaming again. Proverbs 29, 18 in the Message Bible says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. In other words, if, if people can't see what God's doing in their lives, in the church, uh, um, in the Word, when they open up the Bible, if they can't see, then what happens is they're blinded to what, what God is doing, and their life ends up in chaos. You become real chaotic. Then it goes on to say, but when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. So people who pay attention to, people who do what God reveals, they handle it correctly, they manage it correctly, people who, who handle it, those people are, they're the most rewarded, they're the most happy, they're the most satisfied, and that's because they know what life is all about. See, you know what life is all about when, when you visualize and see God's plan, because he reveals it. <clears throat> In our last message, what we talked about is we talked about how dreams speak to us, the language, God's language of dreams. And this morning, we're going to, what I, what I said we were going to do when I got back is I'm going to, we're going to. I'm going to teach you how to hear God's voice. 
And, you know, so many people, is it me, is it God, or it's the devil? And, I, I mean, I can sum it up real easy, it, it, but I'm going to teach it a little bit different. Um, if it's you, it's always going to be about you. It's always going to promote you. It's about self. If it's God, it's always going to promote others. It's always going to be defined in his word. It won't be outside the parameter of, of his word. It's always going to be in love. Is it the devil? There's always going to be some type of sin attached to it. That's an easy way to figure it out. Well, how do I know? you got to read the Bible. Because if you don't know your Bible, you are not going to be able to put the test, the litmus test, you won't be able to put that test to who it is. But you'll always know if it's you because all you got to do, oh, yeah, it's, it's all about me. I mean, that one you'll know, but God and the devil is a little bit more difficult. You have to know your Bible. You got to get into the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, you know, people say, oh man, you know, the Bible, it's so, it's so hard, you know. Well, then stop reading the King James. Find a translation that you can understand and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth in the Word. Because every translation that's done by man has some man errors in it. The Word of God itself is without error. But anytime man puts something into it, he puts a slant into it, his own slant, his own doctrinal slant. So, so do that. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. You know what he's saying? He just said the spirit of God is going to intensify as the days get closer to the coming of Jesus. Now, do you believe the days are getting closer? Well, then the Spirit is supposed to intensify. That's what he said. So for all those people that, get, that are like, oh, you know, I don't know, you know that's kind of weird, you know, the Holy Spirit's moving it. He said it was going to happen. All right. This is what he said was going to happen. He said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So God is going to give three things right here prophecy, vision, and dreams. And you know what all these things have in common? Nothing has happened yet. Prophecy, he's going to show you something that hasn't happened yet. Vision, he's going to show you something that hasn't happened yet. Dreams, he's going to show you something that hasn't happened yet. That's what he wants to do. He wants to tell us our future. He wants to give it to us. Dreams is the way he communicates with us besides the word and besides maybe uh, uh, the spirit, you know, maybe he'll reveal something to you like, uh-oh, don't go there. And you're like, well, I don't kind of want to go there, you know. And, and you're like, uh, don't touch that. You know, and you know what happens. We're all kids. We're his kids too. But we're all kids. So when mama says don't go in the cookie jar, where do you go when she's not looking? Well, when you know God is always looking, you keep your hands out of the cookie jar. But a lot of times we forget God's looking, so we put our hands in the cookie jar. You know? Like when God said, hey, Adam, where are you? You mean to tell me he didn't know where Adam was? When he's omnipresent? Hey, Kim, were your hands in the cookie jar? Nope. You know, come on. All right. So today what I want to do is our mission today is to hear the voice of God. Because the closer that we get to the end, God wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal to us his truth. We're going to take a look at Habakkuk. And we're going to start off with, this, with that story. 
He was an Old Testament prophet, and an Old Testament prophet was called a seer. And what is a seer? That means he saw things. He, he visualized, he saw things, future events to happen. And so what happens is Habakkuk is looking at all the terrible conditions that are going on in, in his world. And he's wondering how these Babylonians are just some evil people. I mean, they would, they would get people with hooks and these sticks, and they would hook them like fish. And I mean, just they were evil. They were, ugh. And he just didn't understand what was going on. So he cries out to the Lord, and he basically says, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen? There's all sorts of evil going on, and you're doing nothing about it. You know, we can say that today, can't we? Well, see, we're going to figure out why right now. In Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, he said, look at all the nations. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at all the nations. I want you to take a look around. I want you to look at all the evil and all the violence that's going on. I want you to take a look at, you know, the, the countries that, are, that, that have terrorism and, and all this stuff, the, 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 the sin and just everything. So look around. He said, and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So he just said, hey, look, I know what's going on. I'm not worried about it. i got a plan. And I'm going to take care of it, and it's so awesome. Even if I told you what it was, you ain't going to believe it. Right? That's what he just said. So he said, I am raising up the Babylonians. He's raising up the, what, you're raising up these people? I mean, that's what I'd be saying if God told me that. You're raising them up. Oh, my Lord. That ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They, are uh, they all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. When I look at this passage, what I think about is I think about the Middle East. And then I start thinking, it's always been that way, like it is today. And then I start thinking, they're never going to change. So why are we trying to get along with them? I, I don't get it. I, I, they've always been, we haven't always been this way. We evolved. We changed. And I'll tell you what, some change has been good and some change has not been so good. So Habakkuk wanted God to do something about it. God wanted Habakkuk to do something about it. See, God told him he had a plan. What he didn't realize at the time, the plan was him. Well, guess what? Whatever situation's going on in your life, God knew it was going to be there. He's got a plan. And guess what? God expects you to be a part of the plan. 
He doesn't expect to come because God will save me, get me out of this situation. No. I already got you out 2,000 years ago at Calvary. I will give you the plan. Carry it out. Walk by faith. When a 1,000 Philistines came up against Samson, he didn't say, okay, let me give Samson a bunch of troops and some machine guns and stuff. No. He gave him a plan. He gave him a jawbone of a donkey. Now, I think if he gave me a jawbone of a donkey and a 1,000 people, I'd be tripping. Ah! I'd run! Right? But man, he, he, all of a sudden, whoo, he got his ninja on. Everybody was kung fu fighting, you know? I mean, he, all of a sudden, something changed. I've I mean, I've never seen anybody take on more than five people. Bruce Lee included. Marty's going five people. Bruce Lee. That's who I saw do it. It was on TV. So it might not have been real. So in the next chapter, Habakkuk says this in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, I will climb up into my watchtower, and I will wait, and I will look to see what the Lord will say. Since God had a plan, and Habakkuk knew he had a plan, what he decided to do is he decided to go to a place and wait on the Lord, and look to see what he said, right? Let me ask you a question. What does look to see what somebody said mean? I mean, I understand hearing, but I'm going to look to see. What is he, a mouth reader? I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense to the mind. Anyway, then the Lord gave me this answer. Write down what I revealed to you so you can read it with a glance. If you want to dream a dream again, I'm going to give you five words. And this might be on your paper. And then I'm going to have three points after five words. Okay? The first word is you want to stir up a dream, you want to withdraw. Somebody say withdraw. So you want to find a quiet place where you can withdraw, where you can back up. You can, you, you can be away and, and come to the Lord, and you want to withdraw yourself. You want to meet with God, and you want to get away from the busyness in your life. You want to, it's like taking some time out to go on vacation, right? What you do is, in your life, you go on vacation, you, you withdraw yourself, you, you get there, your body gets rest. I want to read you a study that I, I read yesterday. Studies show that women who went uh, six years between vacations were eight times more likely to develop uh, coronary heart disease or have a heart attack versus women who vacation twice a year. Come on, preach it. Researchers also found that among middle-aged men who were at high risk for coronary heart disease, those who went on vacation regularly at least once a year were 21% less likely to die of any cause other than old age, and 32% less likely to die of heart disease. Man, that's, that's big, right? Okay. So just like your body needs a vacation, so does your spirit. Your spirit needs a rest. And the only way you're going to rest is you have to back up. you got to find a place. As a matter of fact, in Luke 5.16, it says this, but Jesus often withdrew 
uh, to lonely places and prayed. You got to get alone. You know what I mean? You have to get alone. You have to get with him. Withdraw. As busy as Jesus was, he always made time. And that's because you always have time to do what you want to do. People go, oh, man, I really want to pray, but I don't have time. Liar, liar, pants on fire, you just don't want to pray. Why? Because when you start praying, you start thinking about other things. Your mind starts traveling. Well, you know what? Try to pray for 30 seconds. And then work up to a minute. Work up to five minutes. Work up to, you know, work your way up to praying for a longer period of time. Start trying to figure out how to want to pray all the time. You know, when I talk to people a lot, to be honest with you, and they're asking me questions, and I'm going to tell you, most of the time I don't know the answer. But you think I do. Because I give you an answer, and that's because as you're speaking, I'm asking God what to say. Because I'm not that smart. He is. The only smart thing I did was study to show myself approved and to accept Jesus as my Lord and said, that's, that's the smart, oh, and marry my wife Leah. Those are the three smart things that I've done, and you, you know what I'm saying? Other than that, I've, I've just done some dumb stuff. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to stop there. The second thing he did after, after that, wait. Wait. Be still. Know that I'm God. Wait on his presence. You know, most Christians, they don't know God. They go to church. They read their Bible. They do all these things, but they don't know God. Pastor, how do you know that? Be still and know that I'm God. If you can't be still, if you always have something to say, if you can't just blank everything out and just wait, you'll never know God. That's how you know him. You have to be still. You have to wait on him. I'm not saying he doesn't touch every Christian. I'm talking about knowing him. There's a difference between being touched by him and knowing him. When you know him, your life starts changing. When you're touched by him, you just have an emotional experience. And there's nothing wrong with an emotional experience with God because he created our emotions, but he wants us to know him. He wants us to so know him that, that everyone we come into contact with, we are the Christian that the devil has warned them about. Not the Christian that the world talks about, hypocritical, judgmental, and mean, and all that. We want to be the loving, caring, kind, motivational Christians that are bringing reconciliation to the earth, letting people know that Jesus paid the price for them, letting them know that, hey, come as you are. You know, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you, you act like. Just come as you are. And a lot of times churches say that, but once they get here, oh, now you got to do this, now you got to do that, now you got to do... No, no, no. Just hang out with us for a while. And what, one or two things is going to happen. You're either going to leave because you just can't stand it, or you're just going to start changing because you want to from the inside out. 
Because if all we do is put rules and regulations on people, then what happens is we have a bunch of religious mean people. The rules and regulations need to be written on our heart. And it gets written on our heart by having a relationship with him and by reading the word of God. Amen? Psalm 62.5, it says this, it says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Well, how many do that? Just wait quietly on him. I mean, most people don't do that. Most people, right? Okay. So the next thing Habakkuk was saying was this. Look to see what God is saying, right? So that mean, to me, that means read God's word. Look to see what he's saying. Open up the Bible. Take a look at it. Some of you need to stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Trust me, that's good right there. Oh, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Read his word. You will hear his voice. Is his word any less important than an audible sound you hear? I mean, it's his word. He gave us the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. I mean, he gave that to us. And all we have to do is get into it. And when you get into it, and, you, and, and he reveals his truth to you, then, if you're listening, you'll know his voice and another you won't follow. Because it's all written down in the word. Everything's there for life and godliness. When I, um, when I read the word, and I get in my quiet time, I usually have my computer, or I have a pen and a piece of paper, and I just, I'll write stuff down, and with my computer, I like to type stuff and get, you know, kind of write stuff, and sometimes I'm listening to worship, some, you know, just depends on what I'm doing at the time, and I, and I write thoughts down, and, and that's number four, that's what we need to do, is we need to write it down. Write your vision down. As you're asking God, you know, to, to reveal to you, to show you things, to give you dreams, to give you visions, write them down. When you start writing them down, make it a, it's a bucket list. Oh, number three? Uh, that was read God's word. Okay. So write it down. And when you write it down, man, I'm telling you, write the crazy stuff down. The stuff that just seems, you know, if you want to go to um, Ireland, write it down. I do. I want to go play golf there. I want to ride a Harley over there. That's what I want to do. Write it down. And you know what? Don't go chasing after it. Don't make it happen, in other words. Because if you are trying to make it happen, what if God didn't give you what, that dream that you wrote down? And then what if the other dreams God gave to you that are on your bucket list? then you're going to go chasing your whole life a dream that God has never given you. I've had so many people tell me, you know, they wanted to be pastors, they wanted to do this, they wanted to do that, who were never really that, even though they wanted to do it, that was not really what God called them to do. They just saw, hey, that looks good. I like that. And they start chasing that, 
instead of letting an opportunity, this is how you do it, you let the opportunity come to you and let, allow God to give you the opportunity to do things and then move in that opportunity when God opens it up and reveals it to you. That's how you do it. But write it down. And then, then he said, what did, what did he say? Habakkuk said this. You got to write it down because he said, read it with a glance. So review it. Review your list. Take a look at it periodically. And, and, and you know what? God might say, hey, you know what? That one right there, that wasn't me. And you'll go, because all of a sudden you'll be like, I really don't want to do that. And you start crossing it off. But he might give you something else to write down. And I would also write down and review. This is what I'd write down. I'd, I'd write down the things that I've accomplished. I'd start checking off my bucket list. I have things that are checked off on my bucket list. That Harley Davidson was one of them. I asked God specifically for a road king, and I got it. Now, I didn't get it that year. I didn't get it in two years. I got it like eight years later. The opportunity came around. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And you know what? It's paid off. That's what's awesome about it. God pays stuff off. God doesn't want us in great debt. Amen? All right. So my question to you is, what are you seeing now? What are you seeing right now? In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17, I pray this prayer a lot. Paul writes this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, so your heart has eyes, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. God wants you to open up some things to he wants to open up some things to you in your heart. He wants your heart to come alive because he's called you to something. He's, he's got a hope. And, and, and the word hope, he's not going, you know, I wish they would do this and I wish that. No, confident expectation of good. God confidently expects you to do good in your call. Amen? So now that you know God's plan and his heart, and now he reveals these things to you. Now you don't have to say, hey, pastor, what am I called to do? See, a lot of people, they, you know, I, I, pastor, would you tell me what I'm called to do? You know, let me tell you this. If I tell you you're called to be a missionary in Tanzania, you better take me with you because you need to know when it's time to come back. You know what I'm saying? I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, oh, God's called you to be a missionary in Baltimore. Did you know that before he told you? If you didn't, put it on the shelf. <laughs> because if not, you're going to go chasing after something he didn't call you to do. You'll be doing this your whole life, and you're wondering why you're struggling and you're frustrated. Boy, it got quiet in this house. So the question is, how do we do it? I'm glad you asked that. Here's another story. 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 14. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. So three kings, what they're going to do is they're going to go after this, another king, the king of Moab. They were gonna, so it's going to be like three on one. And they figured that they were going to, you know, whip, the, whip this guy and uh, 
but it didn't work out exactly how they planned. It says, after a roundabout march of seven days, okay, does anybody have anything that comes to their mind? A roundabout march of seven days? Jericho. So what does that tell you? Right off the bat, it, I see that they were using an old vision, someone else's dream, someone else's vision, to do what God has called them to do. See, God called them to do it, but, he, but they were using a different vision. And you know, God doesn't always do the same thing twice. He built one ark, talked out of one burning bush. You know what I'm saying? Spit in the dirt one time, got some mud, rubbed it in his eyes. So just because you read it, don't go spitting in dirt and rubbing it in people's eyes. You might get socked. I mean, I'd sock you. All right. So he doesn't always do the same thing in the same way. He might heal, but he might not heal in the same way. So you have to get a vision for yourself. So it goes on to say, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals that were with them. What? I mean, that's what the king just said. He said, what? Exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three, three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? He was like saying, this is what he was saying. He was saying, you know, y'all, we're not hearing anything. We better go find somebody who is. Because otherwise we're going to get whipped. So an officer of the king of Israel answered Elisha, the son of Shaphat, man, those are weird words, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together hand us over, uh, to hand, to hand us, uh, us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not even look or even notice. So this is basically what he said. He said, I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. I don't want to do this. I don't want any part of it. Why don't you just go ahead in your own nations, your own country, find your own prophets, do your own thing. But you know what? The only reason why I'm going to come help you out, because Jehoshaphat over here, that's my boy. That's my man right there. That's the only reason why I'm coming. So, verse 15, he says this. But now... Bring me a harpist. What? Look, we need some water. We're going to war here. And you want, you, you want some ambiance music. Right? I mean, that's the first thing he says. But see, Elisha knew something that the three kings didn't. While the harpist was playing, while the harpist was playing, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. 
when worship music happens, go ahead and play. Turn it up. It changes the atmosphere. And then when, you, when it stops, it changes back. See, go ahead and play. comes right back. We don't just sing songs. We worship God. We're not just watching a band. We worship God. And the reason why we worship God is so the hand of the Lord comes upon us. See, your waters are dry. Your ditches have no water in them. And God wants to fill them up. And it starts in worship. As a matter of fact, what, as a matter of fact, play through the whole rest of the service. It's good. So when we get to that place to where we're starting to connect with God, then all of a sudden we start seeing division. We start seeing what God wants us to do. The plan that God has, he starts revealing it to us. So my point is this. You're going to probably have to get into the presence of God because dreams are birthed in his presence. 2 Kings 3.16 says, And he said this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. If you want to believe something great, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to do something. You can't just believe something great, see this vision, and just sit on the couch and, you know, turn on Netflix and wait for it to come to you. You have to go do something for it to happen. And that's because, number two, dreams go from inspiration to participation. It's one thing to say that you want to be the hands and feet of God, and it's another thing to be the hands and feet of God. There's a lot of people who say, yeah, we want to do this, and then we want to, and we want to, and you know what, 10 years later, they're saying the same thing. And they've not taken one step toward that dream. You have to, when we got called to the ministry, we left a very lucrative career. I was an engineer with a class one railroad. I was making a lot of money. And I was getting a $40,000 a year raise that September or go to Bible college. And what did I do? I opted to go to Bible college because I knew God had something for my life. And so I envisioned and I visioned being a teacher of the Word of God, being a minister of the gospel. I envisioned that. But unless I did something about it, I would still be at the railroad playing with trains. I opened up a job for somebody else. That's great. And God this whole time has been taking care of us. He's always had his hand on us. Verse number, verses 17 through 18. It says, for this is what the Lord says. You will neither see or, or neither, you, you will see neither wind nor rain. 
Why did he say that? Hmm. You know, when I take a look at that part of that scripture, I think this. I think we quit too early. We give up on our dreams too soon. I think when we don't see the wind and the rain, and we don't see the clouds forming, and we don't see that stuff, we start walking away. And it's not time to walk away. It's time to dig ditches. It's time to, and you know, digging a ditch, it's hard work. I mean, when I was in the Army, we had this little tiny entrenching tool. You open it up, and the, it's about like that wide, about like that tall. It's faded up like that. And, you know, it's like we had to dig a, a, a pit that you can go at least arms length in, and it had to be, what was it, six foot wide? And, like, and it was totally square. Then you had to do another little thing in case somebody threw hand grenade in your, in your foxhole. I'm telling you, it took a long time to dig a ditch. I mean, I wish I would have had a long shovel that was spaded. I mean, that, man, I had, it was like giving me a spoon. But you know what? I learned some things. I learned how to be disciplined to accomplish the task that I was given. No matter what it looked like, no matter how long it took to get that hole dug. And you know what? Was the well maybe mad about those days? We had to fill that hole up the next day. Because we only dug it because we just we decided to sleep there that night. Pulled 50% security. That means one hour on, one hour off. One hour on, one hour off. Let me tell you, it takes work and dedication to follow those dreams. He said, yet this valley will be filled with water and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. In other words, he said, this is easy for God, no sweat. So even though you don't see it coming, it's coming. That's what he just said. He said, you're not going to see it. Then all of a sudden he goes, even though that you don't see it, it's coming. Just trust him. Don't give up too soon. Keep moving forward. Don't just survive, thrive. And that brings me to the last one, number three. Dreams continue regardless of what is changed. They do. When I was trying to be a pastor, I didn't see it. I mean, I saw me just going backwards, backwards, backwards. And, you know, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And, and I'm thinking, you know, no opportunities coming my way. Nobody was helping me out. And then I got to a point to where I didn't want to be a pastor. And guess what? That's when he called me to pastor. I was praying. We used to pray every day at... Uh, the last, well, the church that we were at in Virginia, I mean, seven days a week, we'd come in and we'd pray. And uh, people from the high schools and stuff like that, I had about 40 teenagers that would pray every day. We had 100 teenagers in our youth group. The teenagers, we started it from a youth camp. And we prayed every day. 
And then when school came around, they said, Pastor Rick, can we still keep praying? I said, yeah. And so we prayed. And so then they came in. Then the adults, I think they, we just guilted them to death. They started coming in and praying with us. But it took them, it took them about a year or two to, to come in with us. But we, we didn't stop. We were relentless. Well, during that time, we built a sanctuary, and we got into the big sanctuary, and, and we're praying in the big sanctuary, and I was just frustrated. And Becky Grubb, she comes up to me, and uh, she said, Pastor Rick, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. She said, look, she said, um, I've been watching you, and I see this cloud following you, and it's a dark cloud, and it, and it keeps striking you down with, like, lightning. She goes, but you just keep getting up, and you, 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 you kind of pray it away, and it keeps coming, but it keeps coming back. I said, all right. So I went home. That night, I'm thinking, I'm meditating on the, on the Lord. Leah went to bed, and uh, I really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. He said, I'm calling you to be a senior pastor. I'm like, great. Leah's going to love this one. So I go upstairs. I said, hey, honey. Woke up, I said, I think God's calling me to be a senior pastor. She goes, I could have told you that. And she went back to sleep. <laughs> the next day, I get up and we're praying again. And Becky comes up to me after the end and she said, Pastor Rick, can I talk to you? I said, sure. I said, well, I was praying. She said, you know, that cloud's gone. She said, and this is what the Lord showed me. She said, I see your arms coming out of one jacket and going into another. And she said, I'm going to miss you. That's how the Lord will speak to you. But he only speaks to you if you take these principles and put these principles to work. I mean, he's still trying to speak to you, but you can only listen if you do the things that we taught today. 